How bad was sex education in high school? <laughs> it was the worst. That's why we wanted to start this podcast. Dr. Stormy and I knew that there are so many folks out there that want to learn more, that want to start conversations, that want to be vulnerable and express their feelings, emotions, wants, and desires. And that's what Sex 101 is about. Dr. Stormy has spent so much time working with couples, working with men and women. I myself have worked with lots of men talking about relationships and sex and where we're at today with our sexuality. So come join us. This is going to be a great episode, just like all Sex 101 episodes. You're going to learn a lot, you're going to laugh a lot, and we're going to have a great time. All right, Sex 101 is here, and we know you guys love it. Thanks for listening. I mean, we our listener base has been mm-hmm. growing. We we are just enjoying this so much. So we really oh, appreciate all, all of you listeners out there sending in your questions, emailing us. Uh, and listening every week, we appreciate it so much. Thank you. Uh, definitely, if you haven't yet, give us a like or uh, you know, give us some stars wherever you listen to us. We sure would appreciate it. Um, today we are. Today's episode is starting the conversation: how to talk about the hard stuff. And uh, one of the biggest things we talk about, Stormy, here is just communication. Communication. It is the number one driver of great sex. I think. I mean, if you can have good communication, I feel like in both partners feel heard and seen. It makes such a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's so it's we, we literally say it somehow in almost every episode. Like I think we might actually somehow talk about communication in every episode we've done on the mm-hmm. Sex 101 podcast because it's that important. And what I want you to like hear is that uh, we'll say, well, we're belaboring it because it's so important, but it's even if you are long time in relationship and you maybe haven't had the best communication, you can always start these practices. These are learnable, teachable, practicable skills. And if you're out there dating and you're in a new partnership, start the communication, the good communication right away. That's also a beautiful thing. So, you know, when it comes to communication, you can keep teaching old dog new tricks. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yep, you're exactly right. And today we're going to basically be talking about couples who are maybe just kind of in a lull or it's not that their relationship is in in the danger zone, but we're talking to couples who just feel like, man, they wish they could maybe spice up a, spice it up a little bit or connect a little more deeply. Um, and we'll probably do an episode in the future of couples that maybe that need a little bit more help. But I think today we'll we'll go over the ones that are uh, just like, hey, maybe something's a hair off or I just I, I like yeah. to have a little bit yeah, deeper conversations. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how to talk about the hard stuff like today is really going to be five questions that you can share with your partner. Like, like Toby mentioned, if you're just, if maybe your sex life is a little stagnant, a little lackluster, yeah. a little vanilla right now, or maybe you're feeling like a little disconnected in the realm of intimacy, but you, you know, you guys are in love, you guys are committed, um, which is a lot of the couples that I work with in my coaching practice. And, and then um, stay tuned. We'll do another episode starting the conversation, how to talk about the hard stuff. If you're really just on, feel like you're worlds apart on lonely planets, you know, you're struggling in multiple areas, not just in the bedroom. Yep. And we wanted to start here because it's the small things that lead to the big things. So if you're noticing something now, address it now. Don't wait. Totally. And and so many couples don't talk about sex. When, mm-hmm. And as a sex and intimacy coach, that like blows my mind. It's, <laughs> but I always think it's my favorite subject to talk about. It's not everyone's favorite subject to talk about. <laughs> but, you know, and the research will show that couples that talk about sex have better sex and they have more of it. And women have more orgasms, right? So wow. all win, 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 right? Yeah. So for couples out there to talk about sex and and to know that that's not, I mean, it's why my TikTok is called touchy subjects. Like these are touchy subjects. They're not comfortable for the majority of people, but you can start today having improved communication in the realm of sex and intimacy. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. 
Yeah. So these are, so the kind of overarching before we get into the five questions and Toby, okay, we hear your, your take on these five questions, but is, you know, someone needs to open the door, right? So if you're listening, be the one to open the door to these kinds of communications in your partnership. Again, whether you're a new partnership, you're dating, you're married, you're long-term, you're whatever, monogamous, non-monogamous, doesn't matter. Someone needs to open the door and lead in good communication, improve communication. So using open-ended questions is a great way. You'll see that these are open-ended questions, the five questions we're going to offer you today. Uh, they're just starting points. You can tweak it, change it. You can Google it. There's tons of questions out there to like intimacy starters and things like that. But you know, use open-ended questions. Don't start the conversation during conflict time, okay? Or maybe like during rejection time, maybe you just felt rejected from your partner. Like not a great time to talk about these things, right? I actually encourage couples to talk about this when they're feeling connected, maybe on a date night or a glass of wine or something, whatever. Sometimes maybe out on a walk, something when you're feeling connected. And starting with sharing what you want to create in your sex life and why is incredibly connecting, incredibly powerful, vulnerable, but also takes away the defensiveness that someone might feel, right? So for example, if you start a conversation with, you never want to have sex and I don't like that. Okay. Well, I can promise you that's not going to go well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and first of all, it's also not true, right? So stay away from never, always and never stay away from superlatives, yes. right? Yeah. So, I mean, and I'd be like, screw off. Like, yeah, no, I want to have sex with you because you're a jerk. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're not going to all of a sudden now really want to have sex with you after you yeah, say that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Versus the same example to say, you know, I, wanted to share with you something I've had on my mind. I want us to have this amazing sex life. And right now I'm feeling like it's a little bit lackluster and I would love to like share with you about that, right? That is totally different. Opens the door for communication. You're sharing about your experience, which is all you can ever share about. You can bring curiosity to your partner's experience, but you are not a mind reader. So you cannot know what they think, do, feel, or experience. Um, and then, and then starting with that place of, I, I love starting with what you want to create in your sex life. Mm, that is great. I, that, you're exactly right there. I just, yeah, it, don't, don't, it, it should be stuff about I and what you actually, the, the goal of the conversation, you know what I mean? Totally. Don't, don't start with just a resentment statement or anything like that. Start with the goal of this conversation is for us. Like I, I yeah. of course I love you. Of course I'm in love with you. Of course I love having sex with you. I'm only bringing this up because I, I think it can even be more vibrant. It can be more yeah, exciting. Totally. What do you think about that? Absolutely. I want to know what you have to yeah. say. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Right. So that's a great other point is like, just bring curiosity, like share how you're feeling and your experience and then bring curiosity. Like I would love to hear how that is for you or what you think about that. Or I'm really curious to know more about this, right? These are all just basic communication before we get into like five specific sex intimacy questions, basic communication things that will help you have a successful com conversation that, that brings you closer together. Yeah, perfect. All right. You want to get into them? Sure. Yeah. So the first one is what can I do to make our sex life better? What can I do to make our sex life better? Right? And to me, that's like such an obvious, simple question, yet one that many of us don't think to ask, right? It also is I, right? What It's not what can you do to make your sex life better. <laughs> it's what can I do to make our sex life better? Yeah, you don't want to say, what kind of blowjobs can you do to make our sex life better? Yeah. You, don't want, 
Don't do not say those. We're trying to reiterate. Do not say that. Not say that. (laughs) So I like this one, right? You're it's very open-ended. And also, and then so let's say they share, okay, and here's a little thing. If let's say they're hesitant to share, it can be like, you know, total I totally get that this is not an easy conversation. Let's have a sip of wine, take a moment. I am so curious to hear from you on this, right? Like you're really bringing your full body, listening, your full heart, but what can I do to make our sex life better? Yep. I love that. And then two, give them time. Don't expect that they have this all worked out. They might not be expecting that question. And so we're not saying totally. sit there and, and, and really force an answer. But also if you're, if you get asked this question, thoughtfully answer you know the, the person it, it's a vulnerable question to, to bring this up hey look and so they're they're putting themselves out there so understand that and you take your time and it might just be a, a few word answer right now but it can grow and build and you can really find out about each other as long as you're taking your Absolutely. time and not pr- no pressure here yeah and i love that right you're opening the door like this doesn't yeah. have to be a one and done conversation it won't be a one and done conversation right yeah but you're opening the door maybe for the first time to these kinds of expressions or conversations um, or certainly deepening it. If you, you know, that you, you can't have these, I mean, I love uh, suggesting like relationship check-ins for the couples that I work with and also for myself and my partnership. Uh, like um, it's like, think about it. You have like a, you'd have like a monthly board meeting if you're, if you're running a company, well, you're, you are right. You're running this relational, right. you know, yeah. dynamic. Um, and so check in. And one of the areas to check in is on your sex life, your sex and intimacy. And that, and I know a lot of couples that will do a relationship check-in except for about sex. They don't ever talk about sex, right? Yeah. So it's like, if that is a part of, which it, it is a part of your relationship, your physical intimacy, it's important to check in on it. Yep. You're exactly right. It's so much, easier. when you start a relationship, everything's hot and heavy and all your responsibilities are just learning about each other and mm-hmm. finding out what, and then as life goes, you know, you get married, you get jobs, you get careers, you get kids, all these other responsibilities come in and it's way harder. So you're right. Just checking in that, 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 uh, regular check-in. I, I did not do that. I wish I would have, that's a regret yeah. from, from my marriage. Um, I wish I would have checked in. I did not either. And just had those little <laughs> I did not either, but I do now in yeah. my current partnership. Yeah. You know, it's like, and you know, you earlier mentioned about that these five, these questions are for couples that are maybe feeling a little lackluster. I think it's also, you just touched on it there. It's also for couples that are feeling like busy and maybe you've got little kids and life's pulling you in different directions. So your, your sexual intimacy that isn't right at the forefront of your mind right now, then these, these questions can be really great to kind of bring back uh, the passion into your sex life. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So the second one is, how do you feel like our sex life is currently? And again, you, how do you feel? You're asking, you're curious. How do you feel like our sex life is currently? Right. And so you notice I'm not saying, I don't think our sex life is good. What do you think? Right. (laughs) So now I'm going to put so that I'm saying, I am so curious. How do you feel like our sex life is in our current situation with little kids or with the jobs or with the financial stress or exactly as it is? How do you feel like it is? Mm, I really like that. And be prepared for possible tough answer. <laughs> like totally. don't, don't shut them down and don't get, get too far into your feelings. Allow them to tell the truth and respect that. Cause it, it can be yeah. hard. If you ask that question, they might say some things that mm. aren't, aren't the best, you know, but that's okay because that's how you get to the better life. Yeah. You know, that's a great point. Like, right. What do they say? Don't ask the question if you don't want to know the answer. Right. right. <laughs> um, so it's like, but so these, you know, the answers and the, the dialogue, it might not be comfortable, like hard stuff might and likely will come up. So breathe, stay curious. And it's okay to be like, Ooh, ouch. Like that, 
that is hard for me to hear. And yet I'm so grateful to you for sharing it. Yes, right. Like, it's, like this is, oh. you don't have to pretend it like, Oh, it's so easy to hear. Right. It's not, right. we, we tend to very much, our ego is very much involved in our sex life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, and, and so knowing that, right, this is a tender place. It also makes it really sexy and powerful and sacred and intimate because it is such a tender, sexy place and if you're in a monogamous partnership, you're only having this conversation with the one person on the planet that you are currently sleeping with. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very intimate. It's very intimate. Yeah, you're right. Love it. So the next one is more more logistical, but how many and I can't tell you how many couples have never asked this question to each other. How many times per week in the current state that we're in would you like to be having sex? It's a simple question and one that is not asked, right? And then here's the clarifying question. What does sex mean? And as a sex coach, people are like, what do you mean? Sex means sex. And I'm like, no, no, no. Sex means so many things. So for example, um, I was talking to my partner this morning. I was like, I want to share this story. But when we were first dating, uh, we had this conversation, of (laughs) of course. And I said, and and I was like, well, you know, for me, uh, two times a week is, but I also want at least one other time a week where we're having physical intimacy. And for him, he was like, well, doesn't that mean sex? And so we had to like really dive into that. Like there's, there's sex, penetrative sex. And then there's sexy time, fooling around, making out hands and lips and, you know, oral sex and things like that. Um, so w- what do you mean? So how many times per week would you like to be having sex? And what does that like mean to you? Like, are you talking about just penetrative sex? Or are you talking about foreplay and rolling around so getting curious about that also gives really space for that dialogue to deepen oh that's great i i never thought about it either you're right like just talking about the whole the whole experience of sex outside of just the you know that just the act really will open up some doors to oh i didn't know that i didn't you know i didn't i didn't realize you were thinking of this and wanting this and that turns you on this way or you know this is a totally don't do this that's really great Yeah. And then also like, you know, and in so many couples, it's like sex or nothing. Right. And as a, as a sex coach, I'm like, no, there's so much more. Like for me, physical touch is my love language. So even if I'm having sex, the amount of times per week, I want to be having sex and I'm doing no physical touch with my partner in between those times. That doesn't feel great for me because I love the handholding and the kissing and the kiss on the cheek and the pinch of the booty, like, you know, whatever it is. Right. So you really get to find out about that with your partner. Um, yeah. in this question about how many times per week would you like to be having sex? Right. And then you get to see that, like, to your point, be ready for the, like, maybe, maybe they say four times a week and you're like once a month, right? Well, now you have an understood that like, you need to bridge that gap, come yeah. to some understanding, some compassion, some compromise with each other about what is going to work for the two of you right now. Yeah. Perfect. So the next one, the fourth one is how do you respond to stress when it comes to sex. Mm. And by the way, don't assume you know the answer about your partner because <laughs> even if you've been together a long time, you might not know and you likely don't know the full answer. So some people stress, sex is a stress reliever. And they when they're really stressed out, they really actually really want to have sex. They even can feel like they need sex. Um, and for some, when they're stressed out, sex is the last thing on their mind and then everything in between. So how does your partner ask them? What happens for them when they're stressed to their sex drive, to their desire for sex? Yeah, that's, uh, you're right. It's so easy, especially when you're in a long-term relationship just to go, oh, well, this is how this person is. And it can diminish the fullness of that person. And it's really easy to do because you're around each other and, and 
and we do change and we do grow and we do need things sometimes or want things that we didn't even, you know, 30 minutes ago, much less years ago. So yeah, you're right. Like not diminishing uh, that person and allowing them to go, Oh, actually this is what I want. This is how I've learned a lot about myself and I feel this way about having sex when I'm stressed or not, or, you know, all, those, totally. really allow that person to just uh, flush that, flesh that out uh, their ideas and what they actually think right. about themselves. They might not even know. They might be like, you know, I don't know what happens when I'm stressed out. It's like, great. Well, now they get to pay attention to that. Right. Um, And then if you know that if your partner is really stressed out, they have no desire for sex that helps you understand that about them. Right. So that you're not like, oh, they never want to have sex. Right. (laughs) Or whatever it might be. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I love that question because people do respond very differently to stress and sex. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. All right. And the fifth one, the last one is beyond penetrative intercourse. So beyond penetrative sex, how might we make our sex life better? So beyond sex, how might we make our sex life better? And, and when I was thinking about this question, it's like, it goes into like that we were mentioning Toby earlier, like the foreplay and how do they feel turned on? And like, maybe they're like, you know, I really prefer to have sex in the morning these days. Like, and you didn't know that, like you're thinking they used to like to have it at night. Right. So it gives you this thing beyond the actual act of sex. How can you make your sex life better? Um, it might be like, I want more foreplay. I would love to like make out in between our times or like, you know, who knows? I mean, endless things it yeah. could be, but you're simply asking and, and broadening the fact that sex is way more than penetrative sex. Right. Yeah. So I can share when I had an emergency hysterectomy and uh, so we were instructed, my partner and I, we couldn't have sex for, uh, for 12 weeks. And at the time I asked the surgeon, I was like, Okay, well, so what do you mean by sex? And she was like, well, what? And, you know, and I was, she's like, sex. And I'm like, no, are you talking about, because welcome to working with a sex coach. I was like, are we talking about penetrative sex? And so anyway, she, t- she explains to me what she means. And I go back to my partner, my boyfriend, and I say, you know, here's the situation. And I said, so how are we going to maintain physical intimacy for those 12 weeks when we can't have penetrative sex? And he's like, what do you mean? We're just not going to have sex. And I was like, no, no, because we're going to maintain physical intimacy. And so, and we found that that was like, to me, some of the sweetest times in our intimacy oh, okay. life, because we we had to get creative of ways to stay connected, to fool around, to like make out, to play in different ways without penetrative sex off the table for three months. And it was incredibly bonding. It was incredibly hot, incredibly sexy in a time that could have just been like the desert, right? Just a total yeah. drought. And it wasn't, but because we had these hard conversations. Yeah. And allow people that's what i think so awesome is that you wanted that like i think he was being sensitive to your uh your healing and to caring about you and then it it sounds like he was surprised he's like oh you want to do stuff and like that is so awesome because your partner oftentimes does want to still do things with you whatever the situation may be they want to interact with you and touch is just so important. I mean, that's why like when you, when you hug a kid or an animal, they heal Mm. and they feel connected Mm -hmm. and and touch can be, you know, there's a lot of trauma. Sometimes people are, and I know touch can be a, a, a touchy issue, a touchy subject. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, being able to touch and connect that way physically is so important regardless of the situation. So, um, I, I think that's a really interesting story that like, cause he, he cause he was like, Oh, don't worry. I, I'm not going to, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to try to have sex with you. And you're like, yeah, no, he was like hands off for 12 weeks. I was like, please yeah. don't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so <laughs> that, that's an eye opener for him to go, Oh wait, we can still be connected. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like a lot of times that can be just so hot. Cause you can, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, 
you're doing things that you wouldn't have normally done. And it's, oh, wow, this is kind of fun. Totally. Very cool. Yeah. All right. So the big takeaways here are, yeah, make sure that these questions are great, Stormy. I, I really appreciate hearing these. And I think the big reason why is because it doesn't put any pressure on the partner. It doesn't catch anybody off guard. You're giving them some breath and some room to breathe. And uh, mm-hmm. these just start that conversation because like we said earlier, it, if you're feeling a little off, that little off can turn to a, a, a big problem down the road. So address totally. those things now. I mean, I mean, we both have experience with the little things growing into big things. And mm-hmm. um, so have these conversations, start the conversation. It can be hard. It can be vulnerable. It will, you have to be vulnerable. It, sometimes it can be embarrassing. You might not get the answer you want, but starting these conversations gets you down the road to health and uh, better sex for sure. Absolutely. All right, let's get to Stump Stormy. It's time to Stump Stormy. Okay, I have two for you. Uh, <laughs> what is the condition of ithophallophobia? Itha, I-T-H-Y? Yep, ithophallophobia. Mm. Man, how did you know that was how you spelled it with the Y? That's a, yeah. I don't know, but I you're underrated. So you're, under, you're underrated. Really smart. I actually <laughs> really believe that. Like, <laughs> like underrated. Like you. Some of the things you say so sometimes I'm like fallow, I'm thinking fallopian tubes, oh. but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing. No guess. The fear of having, seeing, or thinking about an erection is called ithophallophobia. Ithophallophobia. Oh my gosh, I did oh. not know this, but I'm oh. loving this. Okay, so ithophallophobia is the fear of having, seeing, having, or seeing, thinking, thinking about an erection. About an erection. Yeah. Wow, I am so excited about knowing this. I'm gonna yeah. ithophallophobia. I'm committing it to my memory right now. That's amazing. Never saw. You know, it's this. really the the, pho- <laughs> the phobias and the fetishes, which it, well, we have a listener question coming up in a second about fetish. But I really love there's. The, the names are so amazing. There's so many to learn. So oh, I feel I really grateful oh. to learn ithophallophobia today. All right. Uh, the word clitoris is Greek for, do you know this one? Oh, I should know this. Uh, the word clitoris is Greek for, I should know this. It is in the recesses <laughs> of my mind. Oh, I'm like, oh. The word clitoris is Greek for, I can't think of it right now. Divine and goddess-like. Oh, goddess-like. I yeah, like that. Divine and goddess-like. You're always That's so close. Amazing. I'm telling you, your brain. I'm very jealous of your brain. <laughs> no, not, not today. I, I wasn't. I really am. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I love that. Divine and goddess-like. Yay. Let's bring yeah. that back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds better. I'd rather call it that. Oh. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. Uh, good job. Let's get to listener questions. Have a question? We've got answers. Here's this week's listener question. Um, okay. Uh, first question is, how or why do people form fetishes? And I've always wondered this myself because... Mm. Uh, I, it, cause it, it just kind of naturally happens. It feels like, or the people just go, Oh yeah, I just like feed or whatever it might be. Um, so, so this is a really good question. Thanks for sending in how or why do people form fetishes? 
Yeah, it's a great question. We don't, and there's a, there's more and more research coming out about fetish and fetishes versus fetish disorders and things like that. But it's, it's a stimulus paired with a sexual thought or behavior. Like that's what it is, right? So a stim, it's usually, it's usually, it's, it is usually initiated by a stimulus that's paired with sexual thought and behavior. And it's, and it's you being aroused by a specific object, a specific body part, a specific activity. That's what, that's what the definition is. Uh, feet is one of the most common fetishes. Okay. But what we, what we think is that it's, what research would suggest is that it's um, several things. It's conditioning. Okay. So like you, you have a conditioned response. That's that stimulus paired with the sexual thought or behavior. Um, that there was a child experience that synced those two up. Um, and then also there's some, some interesting research, like we have this map, a sensory map in our brain of our body, our whole body, sensory map in our brain. And interestingly enough, feet and your genitals are closely mapped together. And so they wonder, there's some supposition that that's could be why foot fetish is so common, like the fetish mm -hmm. with the foot or the high heel um, is so common. So, you know, we, there's several different theories about it, but, it, you know, to me, the one that I think intuitively makes the most sense is that pairing, right? So a, sti a stimulus paired with the sexual thought and, and behavior. Um, and the difference between a fetish and a fetish disorder is, is the impact, the negative impact on your life, right? So fetishes are very common. A fetish disorder means it's like really negative. There's a ton of significant amount of sexual energy going into that. And it really negatively impacts your life. Hmm. Some of the top fetishes they say are feet, shoes, armpits, ears, color. Actually, a lot of people get turned on by a certain color that your partner yep. wears. Yep. Hair, underwear, you know, people, you know. Yep. Spit is another common one. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. Belly button. And there's a, you know, there's a difference between a fantasy and a fetish. So you might have like a fantasy about a foot or a high heel or whatever. And that might not be a fetish, right? So the, the, the amount of sexual energy that goes towards it is really the is really the distinguishing factor there. Oh. All right. Uh second listener question. It seems like my partner and I have less sex in the winter. Does seasonal change affect libido? And that's funny, like because you always hear like spring is when people, you know, the birds and the bees and people start having <laughs> stuff. And then the winter is sleep time and the snow yeah. and cold <laughs> and hunker down. So this right. is an interesting question. It is. And I mean, and, and like most mammal, mammals, we like there are like some biologically seasonal, like it is biologically wired to be like seasonal breeders, right? So like there's a time of the year where more babies are conceived and more babies are born. Um, testosterone is highest in men and women in the fall. So sex drive, they, there's some anecdotal reporting that sex drive is highest in the fall. Um, but there's also besides estrogen and testosterone, things like that. There's also other reasons that contribute to maybe you not feeling your sex drive the same in the winter months. Um, things like lack of vitamin D, right? Where like 10% of the population has seasonal affective disorder, right? So lack of vitamin D, seasonal affective disorder, meaning like your depression, right? When we're feeling depressed because of the seasonal changes, we don't feel all that like revved up sexy beast that we are, right? So you know, the seasonal affective depression, uh, lack of vitamin D, the fact that we're wearing a lot more clothing and layers, like there's less skin showing, uh, are all things that would work against high sex drive in the winter. Um, plus, we're more tight, we're more, we're more tired because our body's working harder to keep us warm. So we have higher levels of fatigue, right? So these are all things that may contribute, although the research is pretty split on whether there is actually a change in sex drive in the seasons, but a lot of people report that there is. Um, you know, and for me, I, I think 
personally, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm all bundled up. I'm tired. It's getting dark early. Like it's, you know, I don't, like, I don't feel, I I would say my sex drive feels more sluggish in the winter than in the summer where it's light to late and you're out playing and you're in, you know, your bikini or whatever. That's just me personally. Um, But then counter to that, there's like the cuffing season, right? When single people hunker in for the winters and like cohabitate or maybe like partner off and then it kind of ends right before Valentine's Day, right? So it's like through the colder months and the holiday months. And so that would say the opposite, right? That would say we're hunkering in maybe because it's darker and because we're less out there. So, you know, it it goes both ways. But, you know, personally, I think that there can be definitely, you know, a seasonal breeding pattern. Yeah, for sure. I just, uh, I literally, I'm 47 and, and just kind of learned that, uh, bears don't actually totally hibernate. I was always told that they go in a cave and they don't come out for months uh-huh. and that's not true. They uh-huh. just do things way slower. And that's kind of maybe the uh-huh. same way with us. We just do things a little less yeah. in the winter to conserve energy or to stay warmer and stuff like this. Probably well, and I don't know about anyone else, but personally I get a little few extra pounds on during the winter. Always. Yeah. I call it like my, like ski, my ski warming <laughs> weight, you know, <laughs> Yep. Uh, a little cushion ain't bad in the winter. That's that, that, yeah. no, no problem there. So, uh, yeah, please send in your email, uh, your listener questions, email us. Uh, we sure would appreciate it. You can email us at uh, stormy at lovedeeplab.com or me. You can email me, Toby at marriage supply.com. And uh, what else can they email you about, Stormy? Yeah, um, I have a free intimacy guide that's like a um, guided prompts, uh, meditation, um, and a video guide. So being that we were talking about how to talk about the hard stuff, it might help you start to look at these different realms of intimacy. So I'm happy to email you that. Shoot me an email, stormy at lovedeeplab.com and put intimacy, free intimacy guide in the subject, and I will shoot that off to you. Awesome. Also, you get 10% off at marriagesupply.com with code SEX101. And follow Dr. Stormy at Instagram, uh, at docstormy1. That's the number one, docstormy1. Uh, or TikTok, touchy subjects with three S's. And Marriage Supply uh, is on Instagram as well, the.marriage.supply. Thank you for listening. Please send in your listener questions. Uh, give us a like. Give us a follow. Uh, we so much enjoy doing this podcast, and it's because of you. So thank you guys so much. We love the feedback. Yes. We really appreciate it because knowledge is power. Sex is power. And the world needs more of both. <laughs> <laughs>